0: Voice of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. And we are live radio contra episode one ninety eight is on the air coming at you from the guerrilla camp located deep in the heart of rural northern north carolina and i of course am the commandante of the mossy oak militia nc scout taking to the airwaves in this pirate transmission once more the subversive little podcast that could Closing in on 10.3 thousand subscribers and shooting right back up to the top of the rankings list. According to Podbean's internal metrics, hotly downloaded, hotly anticipated, widely followed. And we've got uh, nation states that are uh, pissed off at us. But hey, you know, it is what it is. Welcome to another episode of Radio Contra. And uh, we've got a heck of a lot to talk about, of course, on this Halloween. Everybody is uh, sugared up, maybe a little bit liquored up. And ready to have a good time. We're going to be talking about Brazil and what this means for the United States, as well as, as well as the very, very incredible revelations that I feel are just the tip of the iceberg that are now being disclosed between the collusion of the United States government and big tech. To censor conservatives, to mold the media, this is uh, everything that they accused in uh, you know 2015, the 2016 election, and then everything we heard after uh, Russia, Russian disinformation, Russia this, Russia that. Well, you know it's it's very interesting because what they were accusing the Russians of doing, they themselves were actually doing. And this seems to be, of course, a repeating pattern we see over time, but now it is literally too egregious to hide. But before we dive into these hotly anticipated topics, give a word, uh, a quick shout out to the show sponsors, John Dislin with Nehemiah Strong. You can check that out at JohnDislin.com. Enter the discount code Scout1 at checkout. Scout One at Checkout. Of course, next up on the list, Civil Defense Manual, Jack Lawson's two-volume set on how to create, stand-up, and train a civil defense team, protection team, neighborhood protection team, rather, uh, from quite literally the ground up. And I wrote the communications chapter in that book. Uh, I think that that's worth the price alone, but, you know, hey, it it is what it is. Go check that out, CivilDefenseManual.com. Of course, my very good friend Joe Dolio, who I converse with quite often, and I'm going to have him back on the show once I am back from the Florida Scout Course, but his four-volume set, Tactical Wisdom Series, the Tactical Wisdom Series, considered a must-read, in the Prepper, Patriot, and Partisan community. And of course, last and certainly not least, Blacksmith Publishing. Mr. Paul LeFavor and Mike Blackburn. They were the authors, are the authors, of the U.S. Army Small Unit Tactics Handbook that is used in the U.S. Army Special Forces Qualification Course. I don't know how much more uh, strong the bona fides can get, but they've got a heck of a lot of other really great titles out there as well. Blacksmithpublishing.com. All right, diving into it. So, of course, it's Halloween and, you know, a lot of people, uh, if you've got kids, you've been running around and, um, you know, collecting up all the candy and kids are wearing their little outfits and, you know, everything is really cool. But, you know it it it's very interesting, uh, traveling to other parts of the United States where um, you know the, the dynamic of Halloween is very, very different depending on where you go. And uh, you know it, it I remember growing up that that there was, Uh, That contingent of people out there is, ah, you know, we're not going to celebrate Halloween. That's a devil worship holiday. And, you know, there's some validity to that in the way that it's portrayed, in the way that it's celebrated. And, um, you know, the the whole witches and cauldrons and black cats and spiders and, like, all the the spooky imagery that's meant to conjure – you know, images of the undead and images of, of things that that are supposed to scare us. And that's kind of the connotation of Halloween. And, um, you know, when I was living out in West Texas for a while, out in uh, the, the wonderful little town of El Paso and getting to experience Latin culture and Mexican culture and, um, you know, having much reverence for... Uh, that culture, and uh, in, in particular, the Northern Mexico culture, Halloween takes on a whole, completely whole new meaning. I mean, you know, the kids running around trick-or-treating, like, that, that's pretty much universal, man, but uh, All Hallows' Eve, you know, coming up, kind of Halloween was just, it, it was an activity, and it was one of those things where it's, it's like, it's fun to be scared, and whatever, and then when you, you know, you hit your teenage years, you're starting to hang out with the girls, and they're, they're you know, they're putting on their little outfits and stuff, you know, it, it is what it is, but then, when I got out there, it was like, Halloween was just kind of a, another excuse to drink, it was another excuse to party, or whatever, and then, I experienced the Day of the Dead, and Dia de los Muertos, which is, the celebration of the day of the dead. And you remember it's, it's all done. It's a Catholic holiday and it's all done in, in reverence of the souls of your family members that have passed on. And, uh, it's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. This this is, this, this is truly something that if you haven't experienced this or seen this, uh, the, the procession that they put on downtown. You can go downtown and you can see this. And, you know, you, you see the children with the sugar skull, painted faces, carrying candles. And it's the most beautiful. Everybody is is quiet. There's just this this surreal nature to it. And I was reminded of something. You know, growing up in North Carolina and going to the Outer Banks because you know the Outer Banks, coastal North Carolina, it's known as the you know the graveyard of the Atlantic, and um, you know you, you can go to cool little spots, right, and all these these really cool little places and and see how our culture evolved over time like kind of a anthropological sociological sociological history kind of kind of vibes going on and um it always i always thought it was weird you, you go to a little town called Beaufort right Beaufort is um uh, near like all, all the marines in the audience are going to immediately know where Beaufort is because it's down near Jacksonville North Carolina And when you go to Beaufort, Beaufort is where Blackbeard's house is. Like, this was his hideaway cove. And it's still a pretty big uh, shipping lane in and out. But um, Beaufort's just this cool little historical town. And they've got graveyards there that are some of the oldest um, colonies or, or oldest colonial graveyards in North America. And so visiting this as a kid and seeing these little park benches that were out there in the cemeteries. These cemeteries are old, going way, way back. And they have these little, little cemeteries and little little park benches that were out there. And there's a sign up saying that family members of the dead would come back and they would have a meal there and you know they they would have a picnic there they would do this fairly regularly and as a kid i always thought this was so weird um, why would you want to do that you just buried somebody there why why would you want to do that like we you can remember your your dad in your heart you remember him and and you know you you, you we we don't forget him but that that was that was kind of strange what i didn't understand and could not understand was that life and death in those terms and in that era took on a whole new meaning. Religion took on a whole new meaning, you know, because life's not promised to you. And we live a very, very comfortable lifestyle, right? We These days we, we live a very comfortable lifestyle and we think that life is promised to us. And so living becomes cheap and the experiences become cheap. And remembrance of the dead is something that we don't really seem to have the reverence for that older cultures have, that they understand. There's longevity there. And so in the British colonial times, the beginning, the very beginning, the founding of Beaufort, these families would go out there. They remembered their dead because they had that cultural connection in El Paso. Northern Mexico, far far west Texas, the southwest, they remember they're dead. The culture there has a different reverence than what a lot of other uh, corners of the United States can really understand. Because it's a cultural connection that's being established there. And it's something that's very, very beautiful. If, if you haven't experienced this and you, you don't understand, you have to. You need to take it upon yourself at least once to do this, to understand this. There's a lot of wisdom there. Now, why do I tell you all this on Halloween, right? Halloween, some of y'all are probably like, man, Halloween, we want to, you know, what are you talking about? We want to be scared or, we, you know, we want to, we want spooky stories, right? Like, you know, I'm telling you all this because of the fragility of it all. You need to understand that this normalcy that we have is extremely fragile. That respect that we have for the dead, that remembrance, that day of remembrance, the day of the dead, where we get together, we remember our fallen family members. We need to do that. We need to return to that as a culture. If we're going to survive, we have to return to that. You know, it, it, it's not a celebration of death But it's a respect for death. It's a respect that there is finality in this life at some point. This is all going to end, right? And when you start to think about that in those terms, things begin to hit you. Well, that's true for nations, too. Let me tell you. That's true for nations. And we, we talk about these things. We talk about these things in terms. A lot of people use it as an excuse to buy the next firearm or buy the ammo or justify, you know, whatever expensive purchase they're gonna make, right? But you gotta understand that it's more than that. It's so, so much more than that. And it's not necessarily everything you're doing at an individual level, because I know that there's a lot of people out there. That listen to this podcast. They reach out to me regularly. They come to class. They're training. They're great. You're great. And you're doing everything you can. And you get frustrated because you look around. And you say, why aren't people doing more? It's because they don't have that connection. They don't understand. You have it. You have it. You see it. Some people would call this the Cassandra complex. You see it for what it is. You have that wisdom, that foresight, that knowledge. And it frustrates you to no end. Believe me, I understand. I understand completely. It's a battle I face every day. But we have to respect the fact that there is finality behind everything. That there is a final point where... Things will either get worse or they'll get much better. But there is a point of transition. A death, but also a rebirth. And that's the point behind the Day of the Dead. Dia de los Muertos. The celebration, the remembrance of those who've passed on. They've transitioned ahead of us. It's a very, very deep thing. And it's something that, again... If you haven't experienced it, you need to take it upon yourself to do so. It's something that really can't even be described. I can give you a visual description. I can describe to you my experiences in a tangible way. But until you experience it, it's hard to explain. And that's where we are today. That's the example of today is that when we look around, we're in a lot of trouble. If we look to our south, I believe that Brazil gives us a very, very real glimpse of what may be in our future. Of course, if you're not tracking the nationalist president of Brazil, a very staunch Trump ally... Uh, had several figures in the Make America Great Again movement who uh, backed him pretty feverishly. Um, you know, there was an assassination attempt on Bolsonaro while he was running for office, and uh, he was stabbed a few times by socialists who charged the stage, much like what happened to Lee Zeldin uh, recently. Uh, Fortunately, Lee Zeldin in New York didn't get stabbed. Uh, The guy didn't make it that far. But, you know, you compare the the coverage of that event with this, this Pelosi nonsense, which, you know, Paul Pelosi, he doesn't even deserve any airtime on this podcast. He was there with a male prostitute. That's exactly what happened. End of story. You know, I don't, I don't know what the internal workings were between the two of them, what the agreement was, but that's exactly what that was. All right. So we'll just get that out of the way now, you know, period. End of story. I don't know what their kink was, but whatever. Okay. But there has been very, very real violence, threats of violence, implicit violence and explicit violence. And this crap that the left likes to say is stochastic terrorism, right? So this stochastic terrorism, where uh, if if conservatives say something or write something or um, you know in, in any way speak out, oh, they well that's stochastic terrorism might inspire somebody uh, to do something bad. Meanwhile, the the very real examples that I can point to of leftist political terror. Have all been very, very real, very tangible. We, we you know, and and if this their their terms they're using to marginalize us is exactly what they themselves are doing. And so that brings us to Brazil, to the South. So we've got Lula, uh, Lula, the the Castroite, uh, the Castro ally. And you can check out the Twitter feed. Uh, at Brushbeater actual, um, at Brushbeater. Uh, the handle is Brushbeater actual. You can check out the Twitter feed. There's plenty of pictures up of Lula and Castro. Boy, they they're they're buddies, and we're buddies. Castro's rotten in hell, but you've got this man who was just released from prison for corruption, and all of a sudden. He wins barely, just just barely. And there were several stories that I was tracking that were coming out of this. One of them was twelve million dollars getting rolled up at a military checkpoint and a whole bunch of people that were carrying ballots. Hmm. That's interesting. Right? All leftists, of course, because this is exactly how it happens. And with Lula, Lula winning by very, very, very tiny majority, I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it was probably the most ballots ever cast for a political candidate in Brazil history. I'm sure it was. But our media spared no time in fawning over this guy. This is exactly the same thing that happened with Kirshner. Does anybody remember Christina Kirshner? Right, She's still the vice president. Of Argentina after serving a prison sentence for corruption, while she was the vice president of Argentina, you know she's she's really famous. She she is pretty good looking for an older lady. Did the tango with Obama, right? Uh, I'm sure uh, Michelle was was real thrilled about that one. Ah, uh, but who cares? You know. But anyway, the, these leftists seem to keep getting elected. They keep getting installed, and they have this very interesting relationship with Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. seems to really, really like them, except for one little problem. They keep running to the Chinese and the Russians. They're still allies with the Chinese and the Russians. Huh. How about that? that? That would be a problem. Lula is no different. As soon as he was elected, The Chinese were the first to move to formalize ties, as reported in the South China Morning Post. This is no good. You have to understand that Brazil is critically important to U.S. foreign policy. Brazil is the last nation in South America, not Central America, but South America, that had any sort of relationship in a positive direction with American foreign policy. We completely lost in Colombia. Colombia is gone. That's not coming back. Venezuela, that's gone. It's not coming back. Bolivia, lost cause. Not coming back. Argentina. Argentina is running the guidance system for the Western Hemisphere. For the Chinese Beidou satellite guidance system. Huh. Well, safe to say they're probably not on our side. And you had the last bastion, Brazil. Now, Brazil, very interestingly, when BRICS was being formed, BRICS, of course, is the replacement economic system. For, uh, or I should say, to be specific, the, um, the, the alleged, uh, the, the system that aims to replace the Federal Reserve as the world's reserve currency, U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency, and Brazil, of course, makes the B on that list, right, Brazil, India, or Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Of course, there's a bunch of other nations that are uh, involved in this now. And the end goal is to depose the U.S. dollar. Well, um, Brazil got into this BRICS stuff when Lula was last president. Then he ended up going to prison. Then we got Bolsonaro, and Bolsonaro was very favorable to American interests, and in particular, uh, that of President Donald Trump. Fast forward a few years. Trump's no longer in the picture Uh, in D.C. The power struggle had concluded with D.C. winning. And they immediately back away from Bolsonaro. So it seemed like everybody had the knives out for Bolsonaro. Now they got Lula in there. Well, immediately the right wing in Brazil took to the streets. The military has yet to ratify the election. There's some very serious questions uh, about whether or not they will. Half of the Brazilian Congress, or just over half the Brazilian Congress, is uh, their right wing political party, as I understand it. And and I'm not on the up and up on all of the Brazilian politics, uh, but... It, it seems like they won uh, held on to all their seats and gained a few more, but their president lost. That just doesn't, uh, sounds, sounds kind of like 2020. It just kind of sounds like 2020. Uh, but there's a very real chance that civil war is going to break out there. Um, I would give it probably a 60, 40 chance, um, Truckers are officially on strike. Where have we seen this before? Uh, they are locking down the highways. There's a lot of footage that's coming out. People with tractors are taking to the streets. Where have we seen this before recently? And people are very, very, very angry. Uh, so, you know, this, this is critically important to pay attention to. For a lot of reasons. But to understand that Lula is going to make. Bricks a very formal thing. Quick fast in a hurry. And not only that. Once that occurs. Watch for formalization of military ties. That happened very quickly in Venezuela. It happened almost immediately in Colombia. And I was the first person. And to my knowledge the only person. In the media alternative or otherwise. That called that out. And here we are. Expect it. It's coming. Now, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't think anybody does at this point. Now, Bolsonaro has made a public statement. Uh, Militant Wire was reporting this not long ago that there was uh, that, that Bolsonaro had no plans to challenge the election. Uh, I think that he he's trying to to kind of calm the, the seas a little bit. Uh, maybe understanding the volatility of the situation, but we shall see. Uh, we shall see. I don't uh, I don't know I don't, I don't know if this thing is gonna calm down. It could get out of hand very, very quickly. And if that's the case, we may very well see uh, faster than anticipated the new administration of Lula calling in advisors that are that are coming from other countries. Remember that Venezuela did this? Um, calling in Wagner Group when the failed color revolution that, that we kicked off there in support of Juan Guaido, uh, kicked off. Colombia, uh, th- there were some rumblings that this was going to happen in Colombia, and so far it has not manifested, but, um, the the, uh, the the administration coming in in Colombia was very quick to formalize those ties with Russia. So I think, uh, at least now, the Politburo in Colombia did not want uh, the, the level of chaos that Venezuela experienced. But in Brazil, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know how this one is going to work out, but it ain't looking good. So, you have to understand that this could be a very quick glimpse into our future. In our future, you know, just just a couple of weeks from now. It's important to understand that there's a, a finality to all this, right? There's a point of transition where things could get much, much better. Things could, in turn, get much, much worse. You need to be ready for that. You know, I've had a lot of people out there in in the community, in the patriot community, that that regularly reaches out or they comment on stuff and and they just have this black pill effect. You know, well, voting doesn't change anything. Uh, Like, you don't understand what you're doing through getting out and voting. Okay. You know, of course, the George Carlin quote, if voting changed anything, it, would, it wouldn't be legal. Yeah, I don't adhere to that level of defeatism, uh, first of all. Second, even though I know that people out there will say, "Well, that's just Paul Deanna. No, it's not. It's me saying that this is your last opportunity. This is my consent, and this is your last opportunity. You know, we can have a peaceful transition or not. It's up to you. But when we don't have election transparency, when we have the collusion that we have, that, that we're seeing now readily between big tech and the United States government to maintain itself in power. OK, these are criminal activities. This is far worse than Watergate. This is third world banana republic stuff, you know, that we see that we have experienced. And that very, uh, very, very scarily, very dangerously, there's a large number of people out there that are perfectly fine with this. As long as they're not on the receiving end of it. If they're a beneficiary to this, uh, they're perfectly fine with it, all right? And these are the same people, by the way, who are now saying, hey, you know, that whole COVID thing, eh, let's, let's let's put the brakes on that. You know, we maybe we should have a COVID amnesty, bullshit. Bullshit, we will. You interfered with people's lives. Loved ones died. There was a very real pain that occurred. Just like I pointed out in the beginning of the episode, family members going to have a picnic by the graves of their family to maintain that connection. the Latin tradition, the parade of the dead, to remember our family members. We remember. We remember and we remember what you did. You had better make yourselves right with the God that you spend every day spitting in the face of because you have no idea. If things begin to look like Brazil here, All I can say is you better learn how to pray. And pray real quick. You shut down the churches. You broke families. You laughed in our faces. The nurses danced. In well choreographed routines. While you barred families from seeing their dying loved ones. I experienced this. I saw it firsthand. It affected me. Believe me. there's no hard feelings. Nope, not at all. Anyhow, on that note, shifting gears ever so slightly. So this, of course, is coming by way of several different outlets. Um, It was shared on American Partisan earlier today, but there is a mountain of evidence that is coming out now. The reason that the left did not want Elon Musk buying Twitter and the United States government did everything it could to stop this, by the way, and they failed. Uh, they failed, and they're going to continue to fail doing this. Now, this isn't to celebrate Musk as any kind of hero. Um, you know, we the Lord uses each of us in different ways, and, and a lot of times in, in ways that, that we're not aware of, or or ways that are, are not even really beneficial to us. He He's an eclectic character, um, and I don't think he's any ally to anyone but himself. But, the, but some of the things here you, you have to take... And say, wow, that that that's a sign, and this is one of them. This, of course, is coming from the Twitter account of Lee Fang, uh, who I'm not intimately familiar with with his stuff or his angle. But some of this this stuff that's posted is critically important. And uh, I quote: "The emails and documents show close collaboration between Department of Homeland Security and the private sector." Twitter's Vija Gaddy, uh, who was fired by Elon Musk last week, met monthly with DHS to discuss censorship plans. Microsoft exec texted DHS, platforms have got to get comfortable with government. Ooh, ooh, this, you know, this is very interesting because this is exactly what leftist professors in Philosophy departments, sociology departments, political science departments, psychology departments. This is exactly what that we define as fascism. The collusion of the state and industry to create monopolies that are unchallenged and unbreakable. So this exchange here, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And sorry, I didn't ring last week. Think you were on the call last week? Just trying to get us in a place where Fed can work with platforms to better understand the miss and dis. So that would be misinformation, disinformation trends. So relevant agencies can try to prebunk, debunk as useful. Not our mission, but was looking to play a cord role, so a coordinating role. So not every DA is independently reaching out to platforms, which could cause a lot of chaos because they all want to be on the same page. This is Operation Mockingbird. This is the collusion of the media, now collusion of social media. What have I been telling you all these years, all these years? Rushbeater.org, AmericanPartisan.org have been telling you these things, falling a lot on deaf ears, but it is what it is. Okay, so the answer here was on the call. The coordination is greatly appreciated. I was disappointed that platforms, including us, didn't offer more. We'll get there. And sector leadership has zero questions. We'll get there, and that kind of leadership really helps. Hmm. So, there it is. There it is. That's just one. That's just one data point of probably billions. Of Probably billions. This woman needs to be in prison. If they can sue Alex Jones for, what was it, $967 million, how much can they sue this woman for? We should certainly have a class action lawsuit. And colluding with the United States government. hmm. She should be in prison. Plain and simple. She should be in prison. Remember it, folks. Remember this. Big tech's definitely not on your side. It needs cleaning out. Use it to your favor while you can, but understand it ain't on your side. They're working with the United States government. They own the platform. They're listening. They're paying attention to every little thing, whether you can fathom it, wrap your mind around it or not. It's real. Much of it is automated. And this is the way of the future. Unless we put the brakes on it. We're going to have to. We have to stand and fight. This election that's coming up. Is the final petition. The redress of government. The respectful position. That we are taking. To say stop. Of your elected officials, hold their feet to the fire. We cannot afford any longer the Richard Burr's of the world. They need to understand the gravity of the situation, and it begins with you from the ground up. There is a very real right-wing populism that is taking hold in this country. Embrace it. Because I promise you, they are absolutely quaking at the fact that we are getting organized, we are getting trained, we are angry, and we are absolutely determined. Folks, brushmeter.org slash training I've got a lot of dates up for 2023. There's still a few dates, uh, two that are left on the calendar. I've got the scout course coming up down in Florida and uh, getting ready to take off to head down there to that. Got a huge group of Patriots that we're going to be training down in the Florida swamps. I'm very, very excited. I will be back. Uh, Up here in the Gorilla Camp, settled in. There's a couple of dates left. Von Steuben, uh, Mike, has a class on the Calendar Support Weapons course. And, of course, we also have uh, the Tactical Signals Exploitation course that same weekend running concurrently here in North Carolina. So, going to be a heck of a lot of fun. Tactical Signals Exploitation if you missed episode 196, which was technically 194, uh, but there was some technical issues, had a bunch of people that were like, oh, hey man, you know, this is, this is crazy. Downloaded the episode and like half the episode was one guy and then the other half was another guy. I don't know what happened. I still haven't got to the, the root of the matter, whatever, doesn't matter uploaded the the same episodes again gave them a new title boom put it out there we're good to go but uh the episode with madman actual uh 196 where we we talked very deeply about tactical signals exploitation the role of drones on the battlefield and uh, an asymmetric warfare environment and and a heck of a lot of other good stuff that that episode got a huge amount of positive feedback out there. Um, I think it's one of the most important shows that I've done and uh, we're going to have him on obviously a lot more. He has written some things over at American partisan that, that you definitely need to check out. Um, But he's going to be teaching all this in class coming up uh, towards the end of November, right before Thanksgiving. So uh, definitely get in on that course. Okay. Definitely get in on that course. There are a few spots available. It was a little bit short notice when we got it, when we finally were able to get it up on the calendar, but, uh, nonetheless, it is up there. We've got a few spots left. I would love to get you out in class folks. The time is short. Okay. You know, we've been saying that it feels like for forever now that, that, you know, things, things are getting out of hand, but they are. If, if you look back the trajectory that we're on is building up to a, a point, right? And there will be a point of transition. These are the good times, okay? These are the good times that we have. We, we have it relatively easy, but I promise you, we are going to have a return. We are going to have that deciding point. They're having it in Brazil right now. It's, you know, this this doesn't seem right And if you think for a second that come election day and there is a right wing sweep, because I have every belief that there will be. And I think that there's going to be a few races that take some people by surprise if we have free and fair elections. That's the caveat. If we have free and fair elections, we didn't get to the bottom of the election fraud from the beginning. We see now that there was collusion going on between the United States government, social media, and, of course, conventional media. We did not have free and fair elections, period. But if we do, if we do, and conservatives end up winning, and winning big, you better bet your bottom dollar that the left is going to go absolute apeshit. In the streets. Promise. I promise. That's when things are really going to get out of hand. Folks. Pray. Continue preparing. Get yourselves ready. In every way that you can. Young. Old. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We need everybody. God bless, good night, and I'll talk to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout, out.